Well, I want to announce to you that He is good. And everything He does is good. Does that make sense? Um, how many you know if uh, a human being does something wrong, it's wrong? Right? How many believe that human beings abusing each other is wrong? Yes. Taking advantage of others is wrong? Yes. Stealing is wrong? Yes. Doing evil to people is wrong? Yes. Well, how would we think that somehow that if God did it, it would be right? And you'd be amazed how many people would say, well, God's God and He can do whatever He wants to do. No, God will do only what it, re it was reflected by His nature. And His very nature is good. Shout it out. God's nature is good. Uh, well, you never know what God's going to do. He's arbitrary. He's capricious. He's God. So He can do what He wants to do. He will only do what reflects His nature. And His nature being good means He will only do what is good. So He's good. And you know, the love of God is, is hugely faith-building in terms of understanding His nature and His dealings with you. But there's nothing more faith-building than to know His nature. Once you discover what His nature is, you have confidence in Him because you know He's going to be the same. Uh, five years from now in your life, still going to be good. Yes. Amen? Forty years from now, if we're still here, He'll still be good. In 100,000 years, He'll still be good. And you've got to get this not by somebody preaching it, but by revelation. Because once you understand that, you can believe God and trust Him no matter what's going on. God will turn that thing around. Do you believe that tonight? Goodness simply means that which works for the benefit or better, betterment of another. That which strengthens us and makes us right. Makes us better. It heals us. It restores us. It improves us. You know you've been interacting with goodness when it improves your condition. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, in every area of your life. When you've run into goodness, that's what happens to you. Say it. He makes me better. He makes me better. Shout it out. He makes me better. He, better. he heals us, restores us, improves us, strengthens us. He makes us right. And so God will always act in alignment with His character, which is good. He always acts with goodness, even when we don't. But how do you know He is so good to us, that should make us want to be good to other people as well. Anybody know some honorary Christians? <laughs> A goodness towards them has not translated in Goodness to others, but how you know it should? Yes. If God is wise, we should be wise. Yes. If God is just, we should be just. If God is holy, we should be holy. And if God is good, we should be good. And when the rich young really came to Jesus, he said, good teacher. And Jesus cut him off and said, no one's good, but what? But God alone. Now, he wasn't denying anything. He was just simply saying, do you understand what you're saying? That God is good. The way that we can be good is by emulating his character. And so we've got to be clear about that, that whatever is good is of God. Yes. Brother Osteen used to say it like this, Amen, all that steals, all that kills, all that destroys is of the devil. Amen. I've come that they might have life more abundantly into the point it overflows. That's what God does. Say, so what does that do for you? Well, if you're going through something, and how many know we go through things? It helps to understand His nature so you'll understand who's doing whatever they're doing in your life. If it's not good, 
It's not God. Thank you for that amen over there. Let me try that one more time. If it's not good, it's not God. A lot of misunderstanding about how this works and what God does. Even the principal cornerstone of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Well, you know, all things work together. Well, we're going to make sure we understand that tonight and actually how you tap into the goodness and how you tap into the turnaround. But let's get some foundational scriptures in our hearts tonight because, you know, the Word of God says a lot about God's goodness. Um, we're not making this up, which is a mystery why people for generations could read the same Bible and come up with a God that is arbitrary, capricious. You never know what He's going to do. He may throw you down just to pick you up or run you over so He can put you back together. And I don't know where that came from because my Bible talks about a good God, a consistently good God. Say, He is good. Why do people say knee-jerk reaction all the time? Because that's what the Bible actually refers to. But I want you to have more than just a religious reaction to, well, all the time. Do you really understand that? Yes. Do you really have it deep down inside by revelation that He is good all the time? And there isn't a mess that you can create that God cannot get you out of. Think about this in terms of religion. Well, if, if someone gets me in a mess, then God will get me out. Well, we're in big trouble if that's the case, and that's the only case, because you and I make most of the messes in our lives. That He's so good that even if you make a mess, He'll get you out. No, you need to suffer, suffer, suffer. Uh, no, you need to trust God to get you out. God's wise enough to know that you and I have made a lot of messes. And if He left us in that distress, we would be in big time trouble. Raise your hand if God ever got you out of a mess that you created. Okay. <laughs> Is it important to do that? Yes. Because we seem to be masters of the mess. But He's a master at getting us out of the distress. In Exodus 33, 18 and 19, God reveals Himself to Moses and He says... Literally, I will make my goodness pass before you. Watch this. God literally equated His presence and His glory with goodness. There is no evil or badness in His glory, in His presence. In His presence is goodness. You know, nobody ever went to a service. And how many are glad when God manifests in an extra special way in a service? And sometimes God can be manifesting and you pick it up and your neighbor doesn't sense anything at all. They're just, you know, dead as a fish over there. But you pick up on it and you walk out of the service going, man, I felt evil in the presence of God today. No, you never go out saying that because when His presence manifests, there's what? There's no evil in it because He's not evil. Now you can go into certain, you know, circumstances and certain environments and you can feel what? Wickedness. What are you doing? You're discerning something. But when you're in God's presence, you should understand that He equates His presence and His glory with goodness. So when He shows up, in fact, write this down, you can define glory as God's heaviness, heavy with everything good. See that He's heavy with everything good. So if God's manifesting in your church, in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your marriage, guess how it's going to be? What's the telltale sign? Goodness. Turn to somebody and tell them something good is about to manifest in your life. 
How many have had some good things manifest in your life? Well, guess what he's not done? Oh, he's just been too good to me. I don't need anymore. Well, give me your goodness then. Amen. I'll take it. There's probably somebody on your road that could use your goodness. So. No, you can never get too much of his goodness because he is a too much God. And if you're kind of just uh, battered tonight, discouraged a little bit, be encouraged. He's not done with you. He has not finished pouring out his goodness. Just understand this. Every time he manifests in your one-on-one walk with him, your prayer time, in a car where you're praying in the Holy Ghost, in your church service, as you're holding hands, you know, with your spouse and you're agreeing about something, know this, God's goodness is there. Amen? In fact, wherever his presence is, his goodness is. They're interchangeable. It's just striking to me that that language would be there when God reveals himself to Moses. He said, I'm going to let my, my goodness pass before you. In Psalm 34, 8, it just simply says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you think you're tasting God and it's bad, you didn't taste God. Say, so taste and see that the Lord is good. The invitation is if you really sample him, if you really get an interaction with him, you're going to see for yourself that he, in fact, is good. Turn aside and tell him, taste and see that the Lord is good. When somebody says he's arbitrary, capricious, you never know what he's going to do. You know, God will just make you sick, you know, just to teach you a lesson. They're not tasting the Lord of the Bible. They're being exposed to some perversion of God. But if you really interact with, experience, if you have some kind of connection with God, it's going to be good. That's what Scripture teaches. Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Psalm 107, 1, we'll talk more about that Scripture in a little bit. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Which tells you that His love and goodness are interchangeable. They amplify one another. And it tells you His goodness is for ever. He will only always ever be good to you. Isn't that faith building? In other words, God's not your problem. Amen. Psalm 23 verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's following you? Goodness and mercy. Turn to somebody and say, you've got a stalker. And her name is Shirley. And she's got goodness. Hallelujah. I've always loved this scripture in Psalm 31, verse 19. You should write that down. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. Okay, so it's not just goodness. It's abundant goodness. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. And work for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind, on display for all to see. Not only does he have goodness for you today, he stored up goodness for you. Can't you wait to see what else he has? How many of y'all were snoops when you were kids around Christmas time? None of you going to admit it? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to try to figure it out. So when I was a little kid, we would try to master the art of gingerly unwrapping one side of a gift just so we could see it and ask me if that ever worked. No, not Miss Doris with five eyes, amen, in every direction and perception. But we tried the best we could because we were snooping to see what was stored up, amen, (laughs) at the Christmas tree. 
Now, when I got married, I have the opposite problem. Kelly makes me open things early because she's too excited to wait for Christmas. So, it's impossible for her to surprise me because she'll always let the cat out of the bag before the bag's supposed to be opened. Amen. Well, think about that. What's you got stored? Well, God, you know, God's going to get you for that. No, He has goodness stored up for you. When you think about it, think about the goodness today. But wherever he stores things, that's what he has stored up for you and for me. Why? It's very simple. It's because you are the redeemed. And that's not a small deal. That's a big deal. Say, I am the redeemed. And he has goodness stored up for me. Better than anything you can find underneath the tree. Amen. Psalm 145. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. How many believe God made you? Yes. The Scripture shows that He is compassionate to all. He, he literally stoops down to lift you up. Not to push you down. He stoops down actually to lift you up. Say He's good to all that He has made. And isn't that true? I mean, it's not just Christians that enjoy His goodness, whether they recognize Him or not, right? Everything we have is good. The air we breathe, amen. The substance that we have, the ability to, to function in this world. The system that we live in, um, from the ecosystem, you know, to the physics that hold this all together, how you know behind all of the laws are basically the principles of the Word of God. He holds all things together with what? His powerful Word. And if there were deviants, just in, in just small deviants in terms of how these things were held together, you know, the rotation of the earth, how many know if it was faster or slower, you and I would be in trouble? And if it stopped suddenly, we would all be gone almost instantly. You change the, the tilt of the, you know, the earth in terms of the, the sun, how much closer it would be and how much life would be affected by that. How many know our God is brilliant? He's brilliant. The Bible doesn't contradict science for one reason, because God is the revelator of science as well as biblical truth. He is a know-it-all. Turn to somebody and say, you're a know-a-lotta. He's a know-it-all. He knows it all, and it all holds together. And what He has for you and for me in that context is goodness now, and it just gets better. Is good to all. So everybody is benefited on this planet, even if they don't recognize it. But oh, how you tap into the overflow of God's goodness when you give your life to Him. These people think I'm giving something up by giving my life to Christ. They're insane. Life begins when you give your life to Christ. You talk about a good life. An abundant life. A prosperous life is all in Him. And then you have people that'll tell Christians, well, God doesn't care about all that stuff. Well, they should have notified the Bible God didn't care about all that stuff because he left his track of what he wants for his people all the way through. You're not giving up to serve God. You're going up to serve God. Your best life is in him, not away from him. Your best life is serving him, not rejecting him. And don't let religious people tell you, and don't you dare give up any piece of the prosperous life that God wants to give you. I'm going to tell you exactly what those are Sunday, and I hope you'll fight for them. Yes. And if somebody refuses the pieces of that pie, you say, I'll take your pie too in Jesus' name, yes. amen. amen. But you get serious about this. Because if you 
you characterize God in any other way than what the word describes him, you're defaming him, it's dishonorable, in a way it's blasphemous. Are you here today? But he's good. He's good to all, but when you get right with God, you tap into a whole nother level of God's goodness. People who stay on the outside looking in have no idea how much better their lives could be. Just in the natural. Let alone all the spiritual promises that are there. Amen. The peace that you have. How many thank God for His peace? Raise your hand and thank God for His peace. That you can lay your head down tonight knowing there's nothing between you and God. If the trumpet sounds, praise God. If you have one final breath, you go right into His presence. You have peace. You have no need to fear anything. Now, once you're a Christian for a while, you start to kind of take that for granted that most people don't live that way. They're in terror when they wake up. They're in terror when they go to bed. They're in terror when they're driving down the highway. They're in terror on an airplane. There's always some manifestation of fear and lack of peace in their lives. After a while, we forget about that. But if you've been recently saved, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, tonight you're going to rest. The Lord gives sleep to His servants. You're going to rest and be at peace. Amen. And if there is another day, another day to serve Him and enjoy His goodness. Glory to God. We're just scratching the surface of it. We're going to get to heaven and God's going to show you rooms filled with treasures and good things and body parts and wonderful things. He's going to look at it and say, well, I tried to tell you in my word. He is so much better than we can even imagine. Yes. Our comprehension and revelation of His goodness at best is minimal. Mm-hmm. Let's grow in it. Yes. Amen. Say it, oh, oh Father, help me grow in revelation of Your goodness. It matters to be redeemed. He's good to all. He's exceptionally good to His people. How else can you explain, amen, fire by night, amen, and the column by day, and manna from heaven, and water from the rock, and coming out of Egypt after slavery, not a sick one among them, laden down with silver and with gold, supernaturally delivered from the monster Pharaoh. In one fell swoop, he delivers his people, and he takes out their enemy at the same time. And guess what? He hadn't changed. Some people have this idea that God of the Old Testament is somehow retired or stripped of some power. He's all-powerful. He hasn't changed. And if He can do that then, think what He can do for you now. Why would He do that in the wilderness? Why would He take care of them? Why would He wipe out their enemy? Why? Because He is good. If you're in the house of faith, He is good. Attack the house of faith and you'll see the backhand of God's goodness. The anointing has two sides to it. Just make sure on the right side of it. Aren't you glad you're saved tonight? <laughs> Come on, say, I'm glad I'm saved. I know He's good. I want more revelation of His goodness. That's what people in the West Bank need. That's what people in the Gaza Strip need. They need a revelation of who God is. Not a punitive God, but a God that is good. Glory to God. How many are praying about that situation? You're dealing with a wild donkey of a people that in their very charter have committed themselves to destroying God's people. Well, that's a recipe for victory. Maybe they should read a little bit of the Bible and find out what happens to the enemies of God. Amen. Well, guess what? You're one of His people. And you may not have some enemy trying to destroy you literally, but you have an enemy that came to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And God wants to show His goodness, amen, to you. He wants to manifest His goodness in your life. How many of you volunteer for that? Yes. How do we block His goodness? You know, doubt, fear, unbelief, religious teaching. There's a voice out there that says, you know, God doesn't do miracles anymore and His Holy Spirit doesn't move anymore. We don't need all that. We just need what the Word teaches. Well, brother or sister, the Word teaches a God of miracles. The Word teaches the present-day ministry of the Holy Ghost. And I don't know about you, I want to be in a church where the Word is preached without compromise and where the Spirit of God is allowed to move. I mean, some people have their churches so wound, you know, so, so tightly wound that God can't get a word in edgewise. Well, He wants to use us. Amen. One word from God can change your life forever. And tonight that could be a word for somebody here to finally explode in your heart how good He is to you. Come on, say, He's too good. Say, He is good. This scripture from Psalm 119, verse 68. You are good, and what you do is good. That settles it. <laughs> Amen? He's not bad, and what he does is bad. Some people think, well, he's God. He wants to do it, and if he does it, it's good, whether it's good for us or not. No, he's not defined by what is evil or wicked or bad. He is defined by what he has promised in his word. In James 1.17, every good gift comes from where? From where? It came from God. The goodness in your life came from what? came from God. And then most of you are familiar with Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed, now who anointed? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen what? You've seen the Father with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now what happens when the Holy Spirit and power is manifest? Again, what happens when His presence and His glory is manifest? He went about doing good. He went about doing good and part of that goodness, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now this one verse is pregnant with revelation about the nature of God and who you should ascribe goodness to and who you should ascribe evil to. And the answer to that question is, God is good. Jesus went around doing good, manifesting that goodness by healing those who were oppressed of the Devil. So the one that is evil is the devil. The one that is good is God. The devil puts stuff on people and God takes it off. Amen. Class dismissed. Amen. <laughs> Say, he went around doing good. Now that tells us who the author of goodness is and the author of evil you know, is. And it also tells us that you and I should be going around doing what? Good. Helping people be what? Released from what the enemy is doing released from their affliction, released from their suffering by that same anointing. It may come as a shock to you tonight, but the same anointing that was on Jesus is on you. Amen. On me? Yes, yes you. Yes. Look at somebody say, it's on you. There's something on you. And it's not an anointing for doing bad. It's an anointing for doing good. So find Romans 8 if you would. And let me just take a moment to knock any religion that's left in you into the next county. Maybe two counties over. Maybe just knock it west over into the river. Hallelujah. When you take a scripture out of its context, it's going to lose two things. It's going to lose its proper meaning and it's going to lose its proper application. 
This is the single most ripped out scripture, in my opinion, in the modern New Testament era, in the modern church. Listen to it out of its context. Now, what does God do? And we know that all things work to the good. Those that what? That love God. The implication is he's manufactured all these terrible things and he'll work it to the good. God does not need the tools of the devil to do an operation in your life. He's not so bankrupt that he needs what the devil does to somehow teach his people. But listen to this carefully in its proper context. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I mean, thank God for that. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. There are times when we don't know how to pray in English, and sometimes you shouldn't pray in English because sometimes what would come out would be doubt, fear, and unbelief anyway. If your mouth is going to contradict the Scripture, then either shut up or pray in tongues. Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, everything you pray, first of all, lines up with God's Word. It's consistent with His will. And watch this, it all comes to pass. So praying God's Word and will over your life by praying in the Holy Ghost is smart because it always comes to pass. Thank God that not all things come to pass that we prayed in English. We'd be shooting our own feet off. In despair sometimes, you can come right off the Word of God and pray things that are completely inconsistent with the Word of God. That never happens when you pray in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, most of us have no idea how valuable it is, your prayer language. And don't you let somebody insult you and shame you and demean you and make fun of you because you're operating in a supernatural gift that brings heaven to earth in your life. Let them laugh. They laughed on the day of Pentecost. Well, you must be drunk. No, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. I tell you, the body of Christ, the modern Pentecostal charismatic church, needs to be delivered from shame. Dr. Barkley never had that problem. That, uh, I think it was an ABC or CBS affiliate station in Michigan interviewed him one time and they wanted to come talk about the ministry and what he was doing. And the guy wanted to take that as an opportunity to somehow shame him about Pentecostal beliefs. So he said with a, with a raised eyebrow and a snide comment to Dr. Barkley as he sat there on that morning show. Everybody say morning show. <laughs> They're about to give more than coffee that morning. I understand that you believe in speaking in tongues. Now, the average preacher probably melts right then and there. And Dr. Barkley said, I sure do. You want to hear it? And he burst out in tongues right there in front of the guy, just boldly right there. And the guy's like, I think we need to go to a break. And they went on a break, and the guy said, you can't do that on television. Well, you brought it up. I was just minding my own business being interviewed, and you brought it up. I don't mean to be stupid and disrespectful, and certainly not in the middle of a church service. In a church service, if you speak in a tongue audibly, it needs to be interpreted. Can I have a better amen than that? Decently and in order. But don't let somebody deny and marginalize and somehow think that you're less because you believe in these things. Listen, people who reject them are missing something. This does not make you better than them, but it makes you better than you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And that's the context of this scripture that everybody rips out of its context. Let me read it again. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes. There you go. The Spirit's a Him. It's not a they or a them. It's not a her. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Anybody ever been there before? And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's always according to God's will and word. And we know, very next sentence, that for those who love God, all things work together for what? For good, for those who are called according to His purpose. The context is prayer, but not just any kind of prayer. How does God work good in your life, no matter what's going on? Through tongues. That's what this is about. Yes. People quoting this as some excuse for how God will beat you up and let you go through things just so we can turn it to your good. That's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is saying that God, through your prayer language, by the Holy Spirit inspired speech, is producing good in your life. Anybody here want more good in their life? I said, does anybody here want more good in their life? It's right there in black and white. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the more of His goodness is going to manifest in your life. I have found this to be absolutely true. You pray in the Holy Ghost over something, you're going to see God's goodness pass by. Amen. Heavy with everything good. Saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Anybody here use a little more goodness? Yes. That's why if you're the devil, you do not want people praying in tongues. You will do everything you can to marginalize and shame and get people to resist it and say, well, you know, I got everything I need. That's so unlike us. That's not my background. We don't believe that. Those things have passed away. And the stupid one will say it's of the devil. Watch yourself. Watch yourself attributing the gifts of God to the devil. You get yourself in serious trouble and possibly eternal trouble by blaspheming the Holy Ghost. All I can tell you is that entire context is about tongues, speech, and prayer working good in your life. Not God throwing you under a bus and then doing something good with it. On the contrary, if you're praying the Holy Ghost, God will tell you the bus is coming. You missed a good place to say amen right there. <laughs> amen. Say, if I want more goodness, all I have to do is pray more in the Holy Ghost. Listen carefully. You have a goodness generator in your life. If you're on West Kentucky Power, you know, you know that the power flickers. And often goes out. Now, with the new substations they put in, it's, it's stabilizing more and more and more. But uh, if your power goes out, what do you hope you have at that moment? Generator. A generator. Generating what? Power. Power, so you can at least keep things that are precious, you know, taken care of, whatever your food storage is. Yes, you know, maybe a little bit of power, whatever. If you have a full-blown generator system that powers the house, well, praise the Lord, you're most blessed. Yes. But it generates what? Power. It generates something that is useful and good. 
Amen. How many know during the famous ice storm, it would been good for everybody to have? Because yeah. it was out for what? Not a day or two. How many of y'all were out for weeks without power? In 2003 weeks out there in the county, yes. Watch this. Tongues is a goodness generator in your life. Come on, say this. Tongues is a goodness generator in my life. You say, well, you know, I wasn't raised in this. Well, I was raised a Lutheran. That wasn't our first Bible study. It was never taught. Ever. Never even remotely referred to. And in fact, when the reading of the day came on a Sunday, we had a, a, a you know, a gospel reading, and then we had, you know, some scripture reading. When the, when the word was read about these things, there was no commentary. It was just like, I'm glad that's over. Let's move on with the rest. <laughs> so I wasn't taught anything. In fact, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was most ignorant of these things. I learned after the fact. Well, uh, you know, all you have to do is just ask the Lord to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. And the initial physical evidence of that experience is speaking in a tongue you did not learn. It's supernatural. It doesn't come from your brain. It comes from your spirit. And it's supernatural. And I'll tell you what, there, there are dozens and dozens of people that will fall over themselves to help you if you're hungry for more of God. It's not just special people. Amen. Peter made it plain. Everybody who gets saved Throughout time is what he was saying there in, in, you know, in that scripture. Everybody through time who gets born again can be a receiver of the gift that you just heard these people receive. Amen. So don't sit on the sidelines thinking, you know, somebody's better than me. I can't have it. No, you can't have that. It's just you need to, you need to check your brain and open up your heart. Yes. Receive what God has for you. Turn to somebody and say, you're not a freak. Come on, tell them you're not a freak. Everybody say, thank God. For the Holy Ghost. I tell you, some of y'all were here right before you know, the whole COVID situation and we did not meet for a while. And uh, David had his heart attack right over here, right in the middle of me preaching on miracles. It's like the devil saying, you going to preach on miracles? Okay, I'm going to take somebody out right here in your church right now. Now here's the rule of Hope Harbor Church. No one gets to die ever again while I'm preaching. That's the rule. Don't do it. And uh, there he was over on the floor, and, and he was gone. And that night was unique because we had health care providers. We, I mean, Jackie was here as a physician. We had intensive care nurses. But the interesting thing was, in the spirit realm, the church jumped all over the devil, like ape on ugly, praying in the Holy Ghost. Right. It was a convergence of anything they knew to do in the natural. They did. But within a half hour, I'm on the phone from the urgency room. We're sitting right here praying. Within a half hour, he's sitting up in the bed over at Murray Calloway County. There's power in praying in the Holy Ghost. What happened was all this surge of praying in the Holy Ghost, I mean, a big dose of goodness was slapped on that boy. (laughs) Amen. And right now, he's enjoying the perfect goodness of God. Hallelujah. But let me repeat. If you're going to die, go do it down at the Baptist church. Would you do that for me? Just go down there and die down there. I mean, I can, you can spit in Calvary County and hit a Baptist church. <laughs> Say, I'm going to live and not die and proclaim the goodness of God. I want you to be delivered from any sense of shame over our spirituality. That's right. 
It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to be proud of in terms of what you did or thinking you're better than somebody. But it's not something for you to somehow feel ashamed of because somebody doesn't understand it or practice it. This nation doesn't know it, but it needs more tongue talkers, not less. This city doesn't know, but it needs more tongue talkers, not less. Your workplace doesn't know, but they need no more tongue talkers, not less. The schools don't know, but they need more tongue talkers, not less. Said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Any of it. I'm not ashamed to be born again. You want them born again people? That's right. Amen. I experienced a new birth after sitting in church for 17 years, not being born again. I'm not ashamed to be born again. I'm not ashamed to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed to be a tongue talker. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be a word person. I'm not ashamed to believe that God wants to prosper his people. I'm not ashamed. Don't you be ashamed of anything. I'll tell you why. Because that, that shame will block your faith and rob you of the goodness of God in that particular area. Amen. Say it with me. I pray in tongues. I generate more goodness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's see your hand again if more of you want the goodness of God. Anybody here? Raise it up high. Say, I want more and more and more. You have that capacity. Amen. When you are praying the Spirit, you are praying the totality of the heart of God, His Word. You're praying the Word over yourself. You're praying the Word when you intercede for other people in the Spirit. Nothing can be better for them. <laughs> put it this way. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost when somebody is sick, even seriously sick, you're not praying, Lord, if it be thy will, heal them. Amen. That's not what you're praying in the Holy Ghost. That's a man-made excuse for why people don't receive. It's man-made. A man's made, you know, man's doctrine never produces any power. But when you've been praying to the Holy Ghost, you're praying the Word of God. And the Word of God is saying, be healed. Yes. By his stripes you were healed. Amen. Right. He sent forth his word and healed them. He carried your infirmities and bore your sicknesses, and by his stripes you were healed. I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's what's being prayed over that person when you pray in the Holy Ghost. You say, well, sometimes I just don't feel much faith, or you know what? I'm not uh, in a place, you know, where I feel like you know, quoting all the scriptures. That's okay. That's what the scripture is about. We don't know how to pray as we ought. You kick into a whole new level, and it's completely consistent with the Word of God and the will of God. And watch this. Let me say it again. What you pray in the Spirit always comes to pass. Well, I don't always know what I'm praying. It doesn't matter. It's enough to know that whatever I'm praying for Barb in the Spirit lines up with the Word of God, and it's good. That's enough for me. Yes, I have had occasion where I have actually interpreted things as I have prayed for them. I have you know, given prophetic words. I've given tongues and interpretation. And occasionally it happens in my own life. And God can do what He wants to do. Yes. My original call to this church came from praying in tongues and then interpreting what I said. And no one was more shocked than me. <laughs> That's His mercy. But most of the time, no, I have no English equivalent for what I am praying. But it's enough for me to know I'm praying the will of God over somebody. When I pray in the Holy Ghost over you, I know it's the will of God. It's the Word of God being prayed over you. And that's what I'm expecting to see in your life. Hallelujah. Saying, I want more of His goodness. So go with me over to Psalm 107. 
That was all the introduction. Let me know when you're there. Anybody ever heard or sang the song, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So? Say so? Yep. <laughs> uh, very substantive song. It doesn't really tell all that much about that particular context either, but everybody say so. so. How many know the redeemed have a voice? They sound a certain way. They just sound different. Say, I'm the redeemed. Say, I sound different. And in this psalm, which is a a psalm that uh, celebrates the voice of the redeemed or the testimony of the redeemed, and everything you find here is part of, you know, what belongs to the redeemed. But it starts with this verse, give thanks to the Lord for He is. He's what? He's good. Goodness and redemption always go together. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. That's really what it means. So the question is, what does the so mean in your, in your you know, previous translation? Or if it says this, or if there's just a colon there, those he, who redeemed, he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Say, I've been redeemed from the hand of the foe. So I've been redeemed from the evil one I should be saying something. There should be a confession on my mouth. There should be a voice. Say the voice of the redeemed. The The question is, what is that? Those he gathered from the lands, from from the east and west, and from the north and south. Speaking prophetically, first of all, for God's people. Uh, God put them back in Israel, and no man's going to take them out. Let me say that again. No man will ever take them out. And when they put their best effort forward to do that one day, the Lord himself will show up and enforce his word over that nation, keeping his covenant to those people. But it's important to understand if I'm being told here to say something, if the redeemed have a voice, if let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What exactly are we supposed to be saying? And this entire you know, chapter tells us um, what that answer is. You know, there's a testimony here and aspects of our redemption and the goodness of God that we should be celebrating and, and basically confessing all the time. Um, you remember the scripture from the teaching on the prosperous soul? You know, let those who favor my righteous cause do what? Let them continually say. Let them do what? Continually. continually say. Now watch this. Why would God have you continually say something if it didn't intend on making it true in your life? Just for fun? Let them continually say, The Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. You know, one of the things you should say every day is, God takes pleasure in my prosperity. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. Say, God takes pleasure in my prosperity. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. He takes pleasure. In my prosperity. You say that about a hundred times and all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night screaming, God takes pleasure in my prosperity. prosperity. And that will drive out all that religion. Let them continually say. Why is he telling us things like that? Because we're used to saying quite the opposite. This is another example of things we should be saying habitually 
and specifically in reference to what the nature of God is all about. So what are we supposed to say? We're supposed to say that He, first of all, is good and His love endures forever. Say, He is good and His love endures forever. That He releases goodness in the direction of our distress because of His love, because of His goodness. We should confess His love and goodness and tell of His redemptive goodness wherever we go. And so what you have here are a series of testimonies about the people and the condition that they were in, various conditions when they interacted with God and His goodness. And so let's look at this today. How many of y'all are here? Everybody say it boldly. Say, He's good and His love endures forever. Shout out, let the redeemed say so. Say what? God is good, and His love endures forever. If you ever write in your Bible, and how many you know you don't go to hell for writing in your Bible? That you can mark your Bible, it's okay? <laughs> Wesley Brother Copeland used to say, you know, if you can't write in your Bible, mark it up and study it. Go down to Walmart and get you one that you can write in and put the other one in a, in a glass case. <laughs> um, Enshrine <laughs> the thing. No, it's it's designed to be interacted with. It's your manual for life. Does that make sense? Um, and depending on how bad this you are, you may want to write in at all. You know, I mean, it's, you're not defaming God or defacing His Word by interacting with your Bible. But if you if you do that, you should write down. This is uh, basically the the testimony of the redeemed. Is what Psalm 107 is. It's the testimony of the redeemed. So in verse 4, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them, what? From their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. What are they testifying about? They're testifying here that we're redeemed from the distress of lack. And you should testify. Can you raise your hand if you've ever been delivered from lack in your life? God has come through. You had lack. You had insufficiency. That should be on your lips all the time. That's your testimony too. What he does for his redeemed is he, you know, delivers them from the distress of lack. And there are a lot of people that are facing this right now. And there really is a, a dichotomy between those people who have faith and those that do not. The righteous versus the wicked. There's a distinction being played out. It doesn't matter what inflation is. It doesn't matter how much things cost. God has covenanted to take care of you. Yes, he has. Thank he what? He has redeemed people, and His redeemed people, He delivers them from the distress that's caused by lack. Why? Because in the classic redemption teach, we, we teach you that poverty is under the curse. His provision is under the blessing. Say it with me. He redeemed me from the distress of lack. Those in the desert, those distressed by dry and barren conditions, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. Amen. God is your supply. He is your source. Amen. You do uh, just a cursory review of the Word of God, and you see how, how God has a million ways to take care of His people. I mean, He is the God that provides, you know, 
raven by the brook. He provides the water. He provides the widow woman with the meal. Amen? He provides in such a way that the oil never stopped flowing until they ran out of the containers. They sold the oil. Amen? Lived off of it. Got out of debt because your God has many ways to take care of it. At tax time, God's got a fish for every taxpayer. Amen? <laughs> if we don't rely just on natural things to do it. Say it, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord Say so. Say what? Say it. I'm redeemed from lack in Jesus' name. That's what the redeemed should be saying. Say it. I am redeemed from lack in Jesus' name. Come on, boldly say it. I'm redeemed from lack. If I'm supposed to say so, if I'm supposed to say something, what am I saying? I am saying I am redeemed from lack. Don't put up with it. And you don't have to look at man to manipulate man to do it. Put pressure on people. No, you just go to God. Mm -hmm. Amen. They put a bill in your hand and pray in the Holy Ghost. Yep. Like, like Jesse says, you got mail, Lord. Here you go. Mm -hmm. huh? But if you're going to hang God the bills, make sure you hand him the tithe also. Move him right along. <laughs> another sermon, another time. Read on with me in this next particular part of this testimony. Verse 10. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom. Prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Do you see a pattern here? What does a redeemed person do when they're in trouble? Not just cry. Cry out to the one who can deliver them. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. For He breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through, what? Bars of iron. When people disobey God, they find themselves in all kinds of distress and all kinds of bondages. But here's the bottom line. Let the redeemed say so. Say what? You've been redeemed from every bondage in Jesus' name. There is no habit, no addiction, there is no darkness, there is no oppression, there is no fear that has a right to stay in your life. Let the redeemed say what? Say it, I've been redeemed from lack, but I've also been redeemed from bondage. And if you find yourself in some kind of a bondage, life controlling, you know, you know, problem or habit, whatever it is, you don't have to put up with that. Amen. Amen. But it's wise to do what you hear in the scripture. Cry out to the one that died for you. Expect to be redeemed from that. Set free from it. You know, God still delivers people from alcoholism. He still delivers people from drugs. He still delivers them from every kind of addiction. He still delivers people from depression. Ultimately, put your hope and confidence in the one who does all things well. Don't just look to man. Look to God and his supernatural power. Let the redeemed say what? Even when you're going through it, say, I've been redeemed from lack. When you get bad news financially, say it, I've been redeemed from life. And when something tries to come on you to take a bondage over your life and try to instill fear or somehow intimidate you, say, no, 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 I have been delivered from that. I'm redeemed from bondage in Jesus' name. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? And of a sound mind. And you know, just as, as, as easily as, you know, some are receiving tonight, this stuff sometimes just bounces off of other hearts. What does that have to do with me? I can tell you this, in the days we're living in, you're about to find out. You're about to find out how important it is to stand your ground. Say, no, no, devil, I have been delivered from this. I've been redeemed from bondage. And sometimes those things try to, you know, 
eke their way back into your life. Just put your foot down. Say, no, I'm delivered from that. I'm not going back. I'm not going to be like a dog that returns to the vomit. Say, I am redeemed from the distress of bondage. And then read on about your testimony and those that are redeemed. Verse 17, some became fools. (laughs) Say, he's not talking about me. Through their rebellious ways. We know that rebellion is witchcraft according to the Word of God. And suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He sent forth His Word and did what? He healed them. Isn't He good? Even though they were fools. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of His works with songs of joy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. They need to say that they are redeemed from lack. They are redeemed from bondage. And they need to say boldly they are redeemed from sickness. If you're sick right now, you're in some kind of affliction, you open up your mouth and say, yeah, but I am redeemed from sickness and disease in Jesus' name. If He sent forth His Word for them, He's still sending forth His Word today. Why? Why would He send the Word? The Word is the remedy. The Word has the power to bring itself to pass. The Word is the key to your victory in every area. Don't just yield to it. Fight to stay on this earth as long as you possibly can. And know that when you leave, you're going to a great place. None of this better place nonsense. It's not like the booby prize when you go to heaven. It's the grand prize. It's the grand poobah of all prizes. We're on a journey right now. That's ultimately the destination to be in His presence where God Himself is the light and the streets are gold, amen, and Jesus rules and reigns. And you have relatives there that walk before you and lit the path and said, this is the way, walk ye in it. It's not a booby prize. You just need to make sure that you say, you know what? I'm going to be perfectly whole on the other side. But right now, I need to say the redeemed of the Lord talk a certain way. I've been redeemed from what? From all manner of sickness and disease. And stay. And sometimes you and I need to remind ourselves of that. We're good at reminding other people. Now, darling... (laughs) Don't you be confessing that. Sometimes when you look in the mirror and say, you know what? You're redeemed. And the redeemed have a voice. And the redeemed talk a certain way. And the redeemed talk in this way. I am what? I am delivered in Jesus' name. I am redeemed from lack. I'm redeemed from bondage. And I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. Hallelujah. Say it, I'm the healed. Why should I do that? Because the Bible tells us that the redeemed talk a certain way. You can always tell somebody who has revelation on redemption by how they talk. Brother Hagin used to say, I could be around somebody for 30 seconds to a minute and know exactly where their faith level is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I like to say when you open up your mouth, your heart falls out. So if you don't want your heart falling out, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) But if you open up your mouth, it's going to fall out. Glory to God. And what should be coming out of our mouth? Faith, because we put it in there. Say it. The redeemed have a voice. The redeemed talk a certain way. They talk like redeemed people. Say it. I've been redeemed from the distress of lack and bondage and sickness. Yes, this happens to people. But that's not the end of the story. Amen. You're not done. God still has something for you to do. 
even people that uh, are facing affliction and maybe in, in different situations that are limited in life, guess what? They can still pray in the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right, Michael? They can sit there and pray in the Holy Ghost. Am I on your prayer list? I better be on your prayer list. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Interceding, praying in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Um, say amen. Say, I'm redeemed. And I talk a certain way. And I don't talk a certain way. Let me read this last portion here of the testimony of the redeemed. I've actually uh, written that in my Bible. The testimony of the redeemed. They sound a certain way. Verse 23, Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds of the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits end. Ever been there? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever been at your wits end. How many know for most of us it didn't take long? <laughs> That's okay because we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Where your wits end, his wits begin. Glory to God. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. You ever see him do that in the Bible? The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let him exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He's redeemed us from the distress of lack. Say lack. He redeemed us from the distress of bondage. Say bondage. He redeemed us from the distress of sickness. Say sickness. And He has redeemed us from the distress of destruction. That devil tried to take him out. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Oftentimes you'll find that people ascribe everything that happens. You know, well, you know, God is sovereign. If He doesn't want to do this, and it won't happen. You and I are masters at causing devastation in our own lives. And there are situations where you didn't necessarily author anything and there is devastation trying to knock on your door. The good news for you and for me is you've been redeemed from destruction. You've been redeemed from the pit. So what can you do when you're facing some kind of an assault, some kind of an attack on your family, your marriage, whatever the case, what you own, what you have, your ministry, whatever the case may be, you begin to talk like the redeemed. If he could still, you know, the storm to a whisper, then he can do the same thing in your life. You can have calm, delight, and peace and joy in the midst of that, knowing that you've been redeemed from that. Amen. Now, whatever warfare is going on right now against your mind, your heart, your emotions, your money, whatever the case may be, you need to make sure you lift your voice up and say, I've been redeemed from destruction. I don't know how God's going to turn this around. I don't know how this is going to ride itself. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what the path is going to be, but I do know this, that my Redeemer liveth. He's redeemed me from destruction. He didn't bring you this far to fail, hallelujah. Amen. You're, the marks of the redeemed are things like victory yes. and a spirit of faith yes. and joy, amen, yes. and peace. Say it, I'm an overcomer. I'm, overcomer. I'm, the I'm the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The point of this testimony for you and for me is no matter how bad the situation, God's goodness will overcome any mess. Mm -hmm. That's right. Do you know that to be true? <laughs> Make a difference how big it is. Did you create it? Maybe. Did somebody else create it? Have y'all been through messes that other people created? It's like some people's spiritual gift. 
Everywhere they go, it's a mess. It's a tornado. It's dysfunction. There's, there's drama wherever they go. You can see their footprint now. Our footprint should be what? This is how the redeemed live. This is how the redeemed talk, and this is what the redeemed gets. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I first heard that chorus when I was in this church when I was a college student back around 1984, and now it's 2000, almost 2024, and I finally know what the so is. Don't look at me without a holy toe. You didn't know what the so is either until you get revelation of that. I mean, the song should have gone on a little further. It needs a few more verses, not just a chorus. Anybody up for the task, Bryce? <laughs> say, let the redeemed of the Lord say. Redeemed people talk a certain way. Let the redeemed of the Lord Say, so, say what? That his good and his mercy and his love endures forever. They should say that they are redeemed from lack and bondage and sickness and destruction. The devil did his best, but his best isn't good enough. Amen? That's the testimony of the redeemed. Now, how many of y'all have a testimony as a redeemed person? Yes. You need to be saying it more. Yeah, it's true. Now, nobody wants to hear from me. You'd be amazed. My sister, in the middle of COVID, was in a... What is that, Ulta store, where you have all the hair products the ladies like and that kind of thing? <laughs> and um, she wouldn't, she never did, wouldn't. It was just conviction she was not going to wear a mask, and that's entirely up to her, of course. And so she did, and so she's standing in this long line in Ulta, and this lady behind her says, you don't have a mask on. No, no worries. And she began to talk to her about the things of God, about protection of God, Psalm 91. And the lady's like, well, if you're not going to wear one, I'm not going to wear one. So she takes hers off. Next thing you know, there's like 14, 15 people around her listening to her preach the word in an Ulta store about Psalm 91. Don't tell me God does, people don't want to hear. We assume they don't want to hear. A lot of them are just longing to hear the truth. Say the truth of God. Say the truth of God. Say the truth of God. And the truth is you're redeemed. Then I'm redeemed from the curse. Of lack, bondage, sickness, and destruction. I'm Pastor Art and I approve this message. Bless God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you can receive it.